Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And this week, we're bringing you Season 3, Episodes 19 and 20, Crossroads 1 and 2. She did it for me. That's what she said. To save me from going back to prison so they could tear more pieces off me. So I killed her. All because of that thing over there. All because Gaius fracking Baltar didn't have the guts to stand up to the Cylons. Because he handed our fates over to the Cylons. I had to kill my Ellen. So Gaius Baltar made you kill your wife. That's why you hate him. And that's why you'd say anything to see him die. You're goddamn right I would. I would do anything. Say anything. To see that man die a painful death. No further questions. All right, Mr. Anderson, we're back. It's time. We've got a lot to discuss. Crossroads. One and two. Do, 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 do. Lots of stuff <laughs> happened. So much shit happens. Oh, my God. The densest two episodes <laughs> of the series. Holy shit, dude. I have watched these two episodes probably more than any other episodes of the series so far. And I'm still not sure if I'm completely ready to die. I mean, there's so much that fucking happens in this. Oh, my God. Uh, but shit, this is a good time. <laughs> yep. There's a lot going on. Bear down, 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 Baltar gets <laughs> off. Like, you're you're going to do that entire episode, aren't you? Just, and then yep. Roslyn yep. says some shit about cancer. Ty's testimony sucked. <laughs> well, Dumb. here we go. It's time, pal. It's time to get crack-a-lackin'. Wrapping up season three. Holy shit. So, hit me. Dude, <laughs> I fucking loved them. <laughs> I loved these two episodes. I mean, God, holy hell. The reveals, the twists, the turns, the, the triumphs. Um, man, there's so much. Like I've already said, there's so much to get into here. I'm like already, I'm preemptively worried that I'm going to forget shit to talk about. Um, but... One of the one of the things after watching the uh, especially episode two probably for the third time, um, I gotta say, man, it has really reminded me how genuinely great a character that Lee Adama is because we have gotten you know I would say of any of the characters of the show he's probably gotten you know he's suffered from weaker writing at times probably more so than most other characters had some bad storylines had some stuff happen here and there nothing terrible but stuff that's just kind of weaker compared to the rest of the series. Um, and I, you know, we've dogged on him here and there, especially when he was paunchy Lee. Uh, we've given him his, his fair share of blows and knocked him around a little. But didn't take him taking D for granted, Lee. That for sure. Yeah, fuck that. But dude, Jamie Bamber and the character Lee Adama, it's fucking great. He's really good. This is a, an interesting, excellent character. Uh, and this, this, the arc that he seems to be headed down now has me so intrigued has somebody has has me completely like reinvested in this character it's like we've we we recommitted to our vows dean like i'm I'm just i'm back at it with i'm like you know what i see the light with lee i'm back i'm back baby the fucking oh man his testimony i will get there when we get there obviously i can't wait it has me so excited uh gaius is just fucking fantastic throughout the entire the entire thing he's so good and i was just gonna say you better 
Bitly's pecker out your mouth. Pah. Turn your attention over to justice for Gaius. Justice for Gaius. <laughs> justice <laughs> for Gaius. Yeah. Oh, but, well, he I gets know a it, listener baby. who should make that his phone ring. <laughs> it's his true. Ringtone on his phone. <laughs> oh man. Oh, there's so much here. I ah. Uh, uh, and I mean, especially the last 15 minutes of episode two, Crossroads Part Two, is just so dense with reveals that I, I, I it's like a black hole that's going to pull us into it. It's oh my god, there's so much happening here. I, I feel like we got to just we got to start at the beginning. We got to yeah. plow our way through. I'll tell you, like this is such, such an enjoyable watch. These two, so enjoyable, oh, so, so excellent good. to watch. Um, oh, and Romo Lampkin. Oh my god! Oh, Lampkin. I, I, can't, I can't love that character more. Why don't I just I, tell him now? That shit. Be, be easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Kill him right now! Put him on the air. Oh, that's what you want. You fucking screaming! Oh, I love him. I love him. <laughs> yeah, dog. Well, here's uh, we got a bunch of stuff we wrote down. We got some notes. Um, we're going to kind of work through this as a single episode. I think some of our two parters in the past, we would, you know, bust them into two actual things. But I think that I don't think that serves this two parter as well. Um, no, we will like try to we will try to move about uh, the the major plot points in a sequential way uh, to avoid confusing listeners who may not have seen it in a while. Uh, but to be honest with you, some of that doesn't even matter. The order in which people testify matters. Um, the fact that we get some big reveals at the end, I guess, matters. But um, a lot of this stuff is going to be discussing these audio, this audio clue, which leads to this meeting of uh, four unlikely people who uh, go, holy shit, we're Cylons. <laughs> and then uh, we have uh, you know, little subplots like the Cylons tracking them and six offering up information to, so they can avoid the Cylons. That doesn't really matter. I think that's more filler and, and more setup for future episodes. Right. I don't know if we right. need to devote too much time to the fact that they are being pursued and then Six immediately gives up information. I think we can kind of blow past that. Um, but cool dream stuff, uh, big reveals on Laura and her cancer returning, uh, some battles between Lee and his dad, and uh, some some awesome testimonies, which uh, which is really... We've been talking about this for weeks now, man, which is where is our trial? Why are we getting these dumb filler episodes? And boy, did they deliver a trial for us. And of they course, sure because this isn't that old show, Jag, remember that show? <laughs> I sure do. It's not going to be everything takes place in the courtroom. I'm, you know, I've never even seen it. I'm just assuming, and that's the case. But um, <laughs> I've it, seen like maybe three episodes. I just remember them being in white dress uniforms as they argued law. That's about all I remember yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. So what's cool about this is you have this, the structure of the episode. That's the first thing I want to kind of get to. And that's piggybacking off the Jag comment, which is this idea that we have uh, the trial. The trial is your big moment. It's your big, it's your big dramatic action. It's the dramatic action we have been being promised, Matthew. Told for weeks is coming. And now we finally, yes, dear God, finally get to experience a trial. And we know that the trial is going to be the highlight because the trial is going to tell us many things. It's going to, we're going to learn stuff about the fleet. And what they did so successfully with this two-parter, number one, is they took the trial, they made it interesting. Not yeah. only was it riveting to know what the verdict was going to be, because that's ultimately what you go in wondering. What you don't go in wondering, if you haven't seen it, is you don't go in wondering, wow, what's going to be revealed about all these characters? Maybe you thought, what's Gata? Well, how are they going to treat Gata? Um, honestly, that might be the tiniest, tiniest 
if I had to criticize this episode at all, it would be in, in that, Gata. But I'll, mm. I'll talk more about that when we get to Gata. Um, but not only that, but then you have all of the other through lines in this episode are as huge and exciting because they're giving us gigantic pieces of information. Ty revealing Ellen. Cancer back with Laura. Uh, uh, fucking Cylons. Cylons? Crazy. Oh. This cult shit. Fucking bless my child Baltar stuff. So look, man, there's a lot to go through. And let's just dive right in. Hell yeah. What were you thinking with the when, when you started to hear these guys? Well, I want to know what you thought when Ty first hears... The, the broadcast, and he's tuning in that old-timey-looking radio. It looks like it's right out of Fallout 4. <laughs> True. Yeah, Wasteland Radio. <laughs> um, but no, dude, to be honest, my very first just knee-jerk instinctual take was, oh, shit, Ty's cracking up. <laughs> like, right. oh, no, yep. Ty is falling apart. I mean, he's just posted up at the bar, uh, you know, cranking on this radio, like, you know, the crazy old drunk man. And it was really only when the camera whips over to Anders and Anders seems to be the only other person that hears it. And Celix is like, huh, what are you talking about? And everybody kind of brushes by it. That I raised my eyebrow of like, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not quite, I'm not sure what this means. It, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until almost the entirety of this episode, the first episode where I started to really wonder like, well, fuck, is this some Cylon shit? Mm. <laughs> the, the, the mysterious music floating over everything that seemingly only Ty and, uh, Anders are hearing. Uh, that I, I started to wonder later on, but at first I was just concerned. What, what did you wonder? Like when Tori heard it, when the chief heard it? Yeah, no. Once the rest of them starting to hear started to hear it, I I was definitely going down the path of oh, this is Cylon fuckery, fuckery for sure. But did you suspect they were going to come into a room and go, "Holy shit, we're Cylons"? Oh fuck no! I thought that somebody might start to understand that they are a Cylon or that somebody would be fully revealed to be one, but I wasn't sure about everybody. I I thought this might be like some weird, like secretly mental beaming propaganda shit to like disrupt the fleet's activity. I I had no idea. I I was thinking this is definitely a Cylon plot that is happening, but I don't know if it means they're Cylons quite yet. But I, but yeah, by the end of this first episode, I was starting to get concerned about that. Awesome. And we'll talk about, what that possibly means maybe towards the end of this podcast episode. But I wanted to tease that a little because I was really curious as to what you thought. Um, No, I was mostly concerned for Ty falling apart. I I started to to fear that Ty was not going to make it through this season. I was like, oh shit, is he like going to implode? Is he going to try to murder Gaius and get shot by guards? Like I was was thinking that this was going to be the saga of Ty, you know, crumbling. Right, yeah, I like that. And then you also have... This stuff with Baltar. Now, I don't mean his trial. Mm-hmm. Wait, how do you mean? You mean you talking about the, the the acolytes coming to his cell? Like, bless my Talk child. Talk to me about Baltar. that, dude. Dude, I honestly, I feel exactly like Baltar when it comes to that shit. I'm like, what is up with you people? What are you talking about? Like, what do you, I don't know what they see in him. Like, because to be honest, the only thing is, like, uh, the only public perception of him is either, He's the horrible president who betrayed us, or he's the person who has this kind of like, you know, this, the manifesto that's leaked out, and he's the one who is kind of the truth-sayer against the powers that be, 
But I don't know how any of that has started a cult of personality that makes him this almost religious figure. But dude, the one thing about it though, it is I am going further and further down the path, especially by the end of the, you know, the end of the second part of this, uh, you know, these two episodes, that <laughs> that Baltar is somehow, some way, Cylon Jesus. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know what that will look like or what that will will be going forward. But I think he might be Cylon Jesus, even if he's not a Cylon. Like there's something there's something going on here. Like the the long suffering man being put on trial, being the scapegoat for everyone else's sins. Like there ah, there's something silly going on here. There's you some Cylon a, Jesus. Arena. You could call it a manifesto. Maybe he calls it the New Testament. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. Well, one, think man's, about it. <laughs> one man's Bible is another man's manifesto. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it this way, Hand of God episode. We've talked about it before. Just blindingly pointing out target locations that were crucial for Lee to succeed, right? Yeah. Six always telling him, God has a purpose for you, Gaius, and in, in getting him to believe it. Him, think about where Gaius was and where he is. Uh, mocking Six's faith at every turn and talking about how irrational it was to believe the things that she would believe and being told time and again that this wasn't the case, maybe being manipulated, but either way, given demonstrable, giving, I don't want to say proof of the existence of something else, but giving demonstrable proof that there is something out there that is in control, whether it be Cylon plotting and and treachery or some sort of other being, Uh, and it interfering with him very directly when he would repent for his sins, everything his head slammed into a mirror um, and all this other shit and praying for this kid. And suddenly we've seen how six reacts to him. Then he writes this manifesto and all of a sudden people are thinking about him. He also won the popular vote when it came to the, to the vote. Uh, he defeated Rosalind. Yeah. Uh, true. So we had all those constituents still. And, and, and yeah, most of the, most of the guys haters sort of crowded into the courtroom, but we don't know that for certain. They seem pretty moved by Lee enough to quickly say, no, it's not fair. No, I mean, they're all dummies. But, um, <laughs> cattle, sheep, fucking all of them. Dingbat, sh- fucking sheep. I wish they would have all burned in their seats for no reason other than <laughs> I just didn't like that they were sheep, even though they supported my guy. Right. But, um, and here we are. Uh, he's like, I don't, I don't understand any of this. This is, this is crazy. But, but, um, you know, the way he gets whisked away at the end, I guess we can kind of talk about that because his trial is, is, has much more meat on the bone. I mean, the just the hood, the Jesus hood over his head as they whisk him away to his new life, they say. Such a Jesus hood. <laughs> they throw, I mean, he's got the long hair, he's got the beard. I mean, it's, it's just it's Jesus, baby. There you go. I'm sure fans of Jesus who don't like Baltar are very mad at this uh, comparison. <laughs> Not happy. <laughs> but uh, good stuff, man. Uh so let's talk about these initial proceedings in the trial, because this is the meat, the juicy meat of the episode, Matthew. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and to be honest, the, the other, if I were really going to try and pick this apart as like, a, you know, I'm teaching a screenwriting class, and I'm like, let's pick out the flaws and like really be merciless shits about this whole thing. One of the things I would say is that the prosecution, you know, the, the prosecution side of this trial is really given very little um, to do. Like, it's pretty easy as a viewer of this episode, as an audience member watching this episode of Battlestar Galactica, to go, yeah, the defense is right. I mean, for one, we're biased because we know Gaius, and we're biased because we like these characters who are defending him. But the prosecution doesn't give a ton to work with. The one thing I'll say 
is that the prosecution's opening is pretty fucking strong. <laughs> Her pointing out this idea of how we how do we measure loss and when the loss is so spectacularly large, the idea of you know an entire planet being taken out, multiple planets of the colonies being taken out. She's like, we don't start measuring in, in the dead. We start counting the living and subtracting uh, from what was there. And and that's a that's a pretty powerful way to start this trial to 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 basically bring everybody back to the idea of we so we survived a massive genocide and we are all that's left of our race and now this man right over here the defendant Gaius Baltar is responsible for thousands of deaths of the very last few thousands of us let's start here like that's a pretty heavy way to start this and I mean if if you're being a prosecutor it's a pretty bold start. Especially in the context of the way this trial operates, which it appears that there are, I don't know, four or five judges. Five, mm-hmm. I guess, because then you'd have a you'd have a lock if it was you. You have to have an odd number, correct? Right. Yeah. So, so they can be. So that what? said, yeah. so that said, it becomes this weird situation. So here's one thing uh, that's funny about law and trials and trials that you see and trials that you hear about. You know, ones you see in fiction and then documentaries you see on Netflix of people on trial and the way people do opening and closing statements in these high-profile murder cases, etc. And that's this. A lot of times, sadly, a a jury of our peers is, well, that's sometimes really shitty because sometimes our (laughs) peers are just straight morons. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's me being totally arrogant, saying I'm better than most people. Um, I don't really believe that, uh, obviously, but I do sometimes think, oof, man, sometimes the people that are in those jury seats, it, so much of the evidence and the testimony becomes less relevant compared to the way that you can appeal emotionally to the person sitting on the stand, sitting in the jury box, right? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Which I found it be, you know, you're, you're talking about the opening statement from the prosecutor, and I'm not saying that these five wise individuals are beyond uh, emotional manipulation, which is a lot of times what these opening statements are. You're just emotionally manipulating people. You're painting a picture which, which and building which, a narrative. That's what you're trying to do. You're yes. fitting it into a storyline to, to convince the, uh, the jury. Right. Which is what this, what, which is the sole purpose of, of emotionally manipulating them. Right. And that's, and it's funny because you, you would think that would have less effect on these five individuals who are sitting up there, but they're people too. So you're right. It was a pretty solid opening statement. It probably would have worked better if it was a, you know, 12 randos picked from the fleet versus these five. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. We are definitely biased. Of course I am. That's that, that goes without saying, um, that said, I think that one of the brilliant parts about this episode in, 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 in perhaps I'm being biased because, because guys is interesting and I obviously don't want him to get thrown out of fucking airlock, <laughs> but, um, it, we, you, we learn how little there is to go on. There's nothing. What are you, what are you saying? Right. He was the leader. This is what we've said time and again on this podcast leading up to this. And believe me, I forgot about a lot of the shit in this trial as we were covering because I haven't seen it in years. But we've been saying for so long, he was the leader who ended up surrendering essentially to this overwhelming force and then basically getting held a gun to his head to sign orders. I mean, are we saying, could he have done more? It's possible he could have done more. As Lee says, and I think without blowing our load and talking about the Lee stuff now, I think it's important just to note that what this does is it doesn't give us a lot of compelling evidence against him because there's none that really exists. So 
I, it might be a fault of the writers. They probably could have dug a little deeper. They probably could have offered a little bit more, but there's no evidence about him in the mainframe. There's just a, a, a cancer dream, a hallucination, a Kamala extract dream where she's like, oh, I think I saw him with six, which doesn't mean anything. You know, consorting with, with six could make you as much as a victim as anyone. You don't, you know, and he was, we know that from the miniseries. He, he was. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, okay, he was the president. He was the sit-in president when they were essentially taken over. They were annexed. They were invaded. An occupying army took them over. And then suddenly you go, well, what does that mean now? It, it's, it, it, the, the whole narrative around this dumb thing, and, and one of the reasons I've always been a guy's defender is because of because it's always been presented like, oh, he delighted. Like It's like they're saying, oh, he, oh, he just was, was loving life, so happy. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kill anybody you want. Just let me stay in power. That wasn't it at all. He was fucking miserable, and you could see it. Um, and, 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 I was, and it was always tough to be like, well, what's the narrative here? What, what? So, yes, uh, did they not give the prosecutor enough from a writing meta standpoint? Sure. Was there a lot to give would be the question I would ask. You know, I don't know how much there is to offer based on what we've just seen in the show that could have been presented as evidence. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that that's the other interesting part about all this is that on New Caprica, and I think that's part of what led to people's hatred about him. They kind of got this idea in their head that he was like the elite in his tower removed from everything absolutely throwing out, throwing out orders the and but the real when you think about that you're like ah he's just up there you know doing things and i'm like you're just assuming that like you don't you can't see him he's not out giving public speeches anymore you know because he's being held hostage by the alien forces that have taken over everything like you don't see him for a reason nope there are no there are very few eyewitnesses accounts and i mean essentially gate is the only one who had any time with gaius one-on-one with gaius and the cylons while on new caprica nobody else was there nobody else saw him and listen I can understand the way that feels just on a very basic level. Right. You ever work really hard and you watch somebody fuck off and take break after break after break? And you're like, fuck that guy. That dude <laughs> is not pulling his weight. Get your ass in there and work. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, take that times 100 and I can understand resentment growing towards guys, Baltar. It makes sense that resentment would grow. And believe me, I just told you that people are sheep. So it would be contradictory for me to say, why don't they see this with clear reason, right? (laughs) Of course they don't. They don't see it with any type of reason whatsoever because we don't always think reasonably, myself It's almost like human beings are emotional creatures or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Emotional cripples for sure. (laughs) But um, but yeah, it's, and and then we, we, him being removed from what it feels like oppression and pain and living up there. And, and look, the reality, yeah, banging some hot silence pretty often while people <laughs> lived in the mud. That's not I mean, inaccurate. He, he was having Cylon three ways with six and Xena the warrior princess herself. That's pretty, that's not too bad. But that's yeah. post New Caprica. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. But, so I, I, what I'm trying to say is I understand why people would turn their attention towards a scapegoat. That's what we oh, do. Yeah. We still do it. Oh, we man, look that at is, these powerful dude, people and we is, yell and we scream about whatever it is they're doing and they're not even doing anything. 
We're like, oh, that's, okay. That's practically the cycle of civilizations is the scapegoat, uh, scapegoat picked out by leader, rallied around by people, then on to a new leader, to a new scapegoat to be rallied around by the people and blah, 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 kick the can down the road. Like right. we always find a way to pin it on one easy to understand thing. Now imagine a complicated reality. Absolutely. Now imagine your civilization is only 36,000 people. It's a football stadium. We've talked about this. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, going to resemble the other things. Right. Resentment builds quick. Yeah, I I can't wait to talk about that. I'm so glad the show finally acknowledged that reality within it. Um, And that's all that, again, that all goes back to to Lee's testimony, which we don't want to dive onto quite yet. But I'm very glad that the show is kind of like copping to that of like, yeah, this this is not a normal civilization just for the sheer fact of how small it is. And, and the fact that it's a, a representation of a formerly large civilization. And we're still using those rules, those politics, those societal norms that, that, and more perspective. Yet now we are 30,000 people like that. That changes everything. Like it's one of those things. Where it's kind of hard to describe, but it's like the, the size of something changes the nature of that thing. Like a society of, of 50 million people, even if they have the same exact laws, rule and culture is very different from that same society but with only 30,000 people but that it makes things no different. that's not true but it works in this tiny country where everyone's basically the same culture why doesn't it work in yours that's got fucking 200 times the population dudes that, that argument always gets thrown <laughs> and around completely for different everything. terrain culture history yeah. you know yeah but you know people are different it's crazy <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's this is the thing this is a this is big time and uh i I like where we kick things off. I like, let's listen to Lampkin. Can we give Lampkin a listen? Oh, absolutely. Oh my God, please. And we, he's, he's, he's capturing the, uh, what, exactly what we're saying here, the wrath. Oh, yeah. This man sold us to our enemies. <laughs> this man is our enemy. And if there's one thing that's good in war, that is right <laughs> and just and proper, it's slaughtering our enemy. Yeah. Getting some righteous payback. <laughs> Lampkin. Gaius' face like, are you shitting me? What are we waiting for? <laughs> Let's just kill him now. Is <laughs> <laughs> that my lawyer? That's good oh, stuff. fuck. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what he's, he's mocking the entire establishment here. Dude, I love, dude, that is the way he does that. Like, it, it, I, honestly, like I was saying, like, Probably the strongest point that the prosecution makes is in her opening, but sure. I also, but I think that Lampkin's opening is obviously even stronger because for one, he doesn't even he does the the ironic thing of being like, I'm not even going to speak in the sense of you know defending my client. I'm going to speak for the will of the people against him. I'm going to mm-hmm. speak that out loud and show everybody how fucking ugly it is. Right, because that the re- is, yeah, that's oh, a really good that's point. So compelling. Yeah. And, and this is the truth about many things in life, even basic little problems that you may have emotionally that until you kind of, you know, this is, this is why sometimes talking about your problems helps because when you <laughs> verbalize it, you suddenly go, oh, that's real. That's just not a floating thought in my head. When you speak it, you go, wow. Right. See, if you speak it in the mirror or if you speak it to somebody you trust, you go, okay, now that I say it, it's, it is kind of bananas, sort of, <laughs> you're right. Versus <laughs> if you just sort of quietly think it, and that's people too, you know, they just want to quietly think it and, and just hope it goes away, right? They just hope it goes away. Right. Yeah. And they're not going to, they're not going to try to tear guys apart. There's a couple of, of, of really impassioned people who might try to tear them apart as we see when the courtroom goes bananas, but 
for the most part, they're just, you know, they'll go in there and push their little button and absolve themselves of the responsibility by claiming they've, they've done their civic duty. They voted the right way. And now they just go home and they sit down and pretend that they've done the good thing and the right thing. And they make some toast and they have some fucking tea and they put their feet up and they never think about it ever again. Well, on the one hand, I envy those people. Yeah. On the (laughs) one hand, I envy those people, their ability to not really consider it that much, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful opening. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, he makes this whole point of, you know, he speaks everybody's anger about Gaius, you know, into existence. I mean, of like, well, yeah, he's a, he's a fucking traitor. He's, we should just kill him. What do we do with traitors? We toss him out the airlock. Yeah, let's just do it. Kill him now. Wouldn't that be easier? And everybody, you know, the, the, the courtroom is silent because everybody's like, well, yeah, that it kind of is what I was thinking. <laughs> that's <laughs> he's, he's exactly right. right. Seems pretty gross and bad when you say it out loud, but uh, yeah, that's what we were all thinking. Right. Um, that's what we're here for. Uh, and that's, that is a powerful place to start. Or he's like, well, I should just, oh, I don't want to change more clients to, you know, plead to guilty. Yeah, yeah, that's slick. So we get a uh, we get more plot stuff, which we doesn't it doesn't really matter. Other than you know we we I think I think we can sum it up real quick. I mean, because one we find out yes, the the Cylons are in fact trailing the fleet as they're moving towards the Ion Nebula, and how is that? Because Ty goes in question six, and six reveals that yes, they did find the Cylons did find a unique radiation signature for the fuel ship, the Telium ship, uh, and they've probably been able to figure out a way to track that. And so then it becomes this, this you know, basically a, a chess game of, all right, well, how can we either change the radiation signature on the Tilium ship or send it off as a decoy so that the Cylons don't know where we're going? And a couple um, other details of that is Six offering up the information immediately, uh, probing and taunting Ty about Helen, and of course, oof, Lee spotting brutal. or smelling the Kamala in the president's tea. At first, I was, when I first watched this episode for the first time, I thought, does he smell liquor or something? Dude, I honestly, my first viewing, I thought he was smelling something that Ty was drinking. I'm like, oh, is this how you know Ty's drunk? Oh, that's <laughs> been funny. Sniffing that space hooch he's got hidden away. Uh, but speaking of Ty, let's move right over to Ty's testimony. Mm. I feel so bad for Ty in these two episodes, man. Man, at, at this the end is of the day, hard. Man, like, oh, poor, fucking poor dude. I, I this he is such a great character. Um, I love how real he is. Uh, there is this brutal honesty to him. But also this revelation as to him, it becoming very clear that he's 100% by, I mean, no further questions, your honor, when Lampkin's like this, in other words, the subtext of that, of that piece of dialogue is so good, which is like, clearly you can't take this man seriously, correct? Yeah. He's, he's, he's completely anything, biased against him. He'll say anything. He says it. He says right? it. Yeah. He literally says I would do or say anything for that, that person right there. And, you know, he's the, and, and it's this is this is probably some moments to your point where the prosecutor could have you know could have talked there could have been a little bit more no no but one of the more interesting things about this whole scene too is that this is the setup for the I would say probably the worst divide that we've gotten between Lee and Bill in the series um, that in this moment when we you know Ram uh, Romo. And Gaius and Lee are all kind of conferring, and and Romo is asking him like, "What do you know about Ellen? What what happened?" Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "I don't know. I, I assume she died on the Exodus of New Caprica at some point." And so we we find out here that Lee really didn't know the truth about what happened with Ellen. I think a lot right. of people don't know. Right. Most Absolutely. people. And um, and and Bill, of course, yeah, Bill definitely doesn't know. 
But with Romo being the incisive intellect and very good lawyer that he is, he's able... One of the things about Romo Lampkin I find very interesting, and I would probably imagine realistic for a lawyer, is that he can ask questions and make you think that he knows more than he actually does. Of course. Like, that's his whole thing. Like, he's asking you a question. Right. (laughs) You see that all the time in cop shows. Like, the first 48, like, yeah, man, he already already told us about the red shoe. He's like, oh, man, motherfucker. (laughs) Right. They they don't know. They just lied to the guy, and he fucking, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's right. All cops are scums and liars. No, but no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's a, that's a tactic, you know? No, it's true. Yeah. To like, to bait somebody out. And I mean, and you see Romo doing that here. Like he just kind of, he starts, when we see him conferring with, with Gaius and and Lee, he's very much like, so what happened? Do you know anything? Okay. And then he stands up and starts asking questions with all the confidence of somebody who knows as if he already knows the whole thing and starts. And he doesn't know anything. Doesn't know shit. He just asks in that yeah. way that causes because he can see it. it's a, it's not just the the intellect and the way that he presents the argument. It's the way he is perceptive about people. He sees Ty stumble across the word Ellen very plainly, and he goes, "Ah, this is a weakness. This is a this is something that's clearly emotional to him." And let's see if I can let's see if I can bait this out of him. But um, you know, some of the stuff, some of the mistakes Ty make here. Um, is just Lampkin Lampkin softballs this question and, and Ty takes the bait and 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 I think if I'm trying to be objective then this is garbage too from Ty which is you don't like him because he's a traitor right <laughs> and then yeah. Ty takes the bait and says in a coward and a mass murderer I would have just said I don't like him because his actions are responsible for the death of many people like right. be factual about it coward that's a, that's subjective. Traitor is even subjective. A mass murderer is not. So that's a good one. You can talk about that. You know what I mean? Like you always want to be careful. Again, sometimes overestimating the intelligence of the jury is a problem too, which is why I would be terrible at this stuff because I would, I would, I would have all this confirmation bias about assuming they may think like I think, which is a huge mistake. You you have to, you, I guess in convincing large groups of people, you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator, I think. So yeah. But but I would just be so remiss to to try to get uh, if I would hope that I would not be offering subjective information. You would just want to give objective information. You know, like his decisions led to the death of many people. I don't know uh, whether or not he's a coward is irrelevant. You know, <laughs> and you know he might right. press you on that. He said, "Do you think he's a coward?" Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, of course the the smart prosecutor is going to lead you along that path and not let you say certain things, but. Well, he also does this very quick little pivot that catches Ty off guard because he, he does this moment where he's kind of speaking out loud to himself where he's like, and you blame him for her death. Have you been drinking today, Tyler Colonel? Right. Like he just immediately cuts right into that question and you can yeah. s- tell that Ty was taken aback. Like he, the, just the way in which he frames it, the, how quickly he pairs it with that last question. Ty wasn't ready to think about that, wasn't ready to to, to acknowledge that. And he's like, well... I had a drink. I, I wasn't drinking. And, you know, you can hear the entire courtroom start to murmur like, oh, God, he is drunk. Because everybody's been thinking it again. He, every, you know, that's another thing that Romo's so good at tapping into, public perception. Like, what is everybody What is everybody already murmuring and gossiping and wondering about right now? How can I bring that to the forefront? How can I take everybody's suspicion and put it on a billboard? Right. And he does that, and he, and he does that with a little more detail, and, and sometimes subtly, which is – 
He's got Ty up on the stand saying he's killed a bunch of people. Yeah. And yet this guy's on trial for possibly signing a thing. <laughs> like this is, this is why I like the mistrial angle. He's already going, look at these witnesses. They're hostile witnesses. They are admitting on the stand that they're murderers. I mean, like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is, this is insanity. Yeah. This it, guy, it, fully, know? fully brandishing their bias against Gaius, <laughs> that they hate him and want him to die. Like, it's pretty bad. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, obviously, I also understand Ty's perspective. I, I, I would not sell Ty up the river so easily. Uh, he no. was, he was the leader of an insurgency while he was uh, dealing with an occupying force that was oppressing them and dragging people off and murdering them. So, you know what? Sorry, Cylons. We killed a bunch of you. I'm not sorry, actually. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then right. um, the, the, the trick becomes how many of your 34,000 humans are you killing in that mess, too? There's not many to go around. And to suggest that any of them that put on the uniform was 100% a legitimate target does get a little dicey. Um, because some of them might have been doing it as a survival mechanism. Who knows? I, I don't know. That's that's dicey philosophical talk. But um, right. but if you're in Thai shoes, you don't have the luxury of considering it too much. You just have to survive, right? You, you Al have- from Quantum Leap pulled my fucking eye out. Yep, he sure did. Of course did. I hate them. He sure did. Fucking mad. Yeah, but you yeah, see, dude, this, you, you see Adama trying to protect Ty on some of these questions too. Uh, yeah, man. It is, that is, you know... Uh, when it comes to Bill Adama in these episodes, I am, I of probably anybody else, of any plot point or any character, I am the most torn about him. Uh, I really struggle with him in these episodes because there's a lot of times where I'm like, I still really like Bill and I think he's great and, and I, I understand where he's coming from. And then there are other times where I'm like, ah, fuck, man, you're really starting to lose me a little bit. And, and it's tough. It's tough because, yeah, yeah. you know, these moments where even the way it's, it's, it's shot, like where we, where we have, uh, Ty's face and you know the forefront of the frame and you know seeing him and you can just see Bill in the background just staring at him like and, and it's very much in like a fatherly brotherly almost kind of way of like of concern of, oh it's of that love. friendship forever uh, yeah absolutely that like diehard friendship of I I am look, trying to look out for you in every way I can um, but watching Ty dude the, probably the biggest like heart pull moment uh, in either of these episodes for me yeah I know the was moment. when. Dude, was when Ty admits to killing Ellen and looks over yes, to Bill and dude. says, I killed her. Yes. Like, I killed her. And I was like, 100 oh, fucking percent. Because we talked about it's it. It's the most heartbreaking episode. moment in the episode, as far as, I can, as far as I'm concerned. And watching Absolutely. Bill just have to stay stone faced. Yeah. And I mean, dude, I, I already said it on the podcast. The only time this show has actually pulled fucking tears out of me, real tears, was fucking Ty having to kill Ellen. Oh, yeah. That, that was brutal. Was, it's unbelievable. It was horrible. And I, that was with the character I prior hated. I was like, fuck Ellen. And then the episode, I was like, oh my God, Ellen. Oh no. Uh, so shit. I mean, what a way we've come. But watching Ty have to look over to his best friend in the world and really, at the end of the day, one of his last defenders and look him in the eye and say, I did it. Like, what I a moment. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, that's standout just, that's, moment of the episode is when he turns to to his friend and says it, and, 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 and Adama just kind of leans forward, like, oof. Such a knife twist. Um, but And that's the thing, that's what's so tough about Bill in these episodes. From that moment, I fully understand Bill's anger at people coming down on Ty, his defensiveness of like, fuck you animals coming for him. Like, of course. And, and I get it. I'm like, dude, I, I'm with you as far as being that kind of protective over somebody you care so much about. But it blinds him, man. It, it absolutely blinds him 
to to serving justice. Like I mean, at the end of the day, th- this is what you're here for. It's not about what happens to your friends. It's not about their feelings or anyone's feelings. It's about getting to the truth and justice. And, and I feel like for a lot of the, the trial, he's blinded uh, until the very end. And it's so difficult, especially when you're in a bad situation, to imagine it being something different had things gone differently, right? It's it's so hard to do that. Had had he stood up to the Cylons, I wouldn't have had to, you know, have, have, or you'd all be dead. There's that. Right. That's a possibility. You know, we don't we we just know the the reality that we were dealt, and because uh, Gaius was at the top of the leadership structure in that moment, that it, that it, again he turns towards him, and we always know he's never liked him. I mean, that's just again that's that's also part of this. He's never really liked him. That's. It's going to make this very, very challenging. And, and boy, does Lee bring that home in his testimony, which we'll get to in a little bit here. 100%. So, um, Rosalind? Ooh, should we talk about, yeah, her her testimony? Yeah. At first, pretty they, fucking damning. They get some info. Lee, they push Lee on it. They're like, you know something you're not telling us. And we don't know what it is. Gaius pushes him. Lampkin says, are you going to do the right fucking thing here? Like well, and this is all. This is all also after. I mean, basically, they, they wait until Roslin's on the stand to bring up the whole fact of the execution order that there were two hundred names on this list, and Gaius's name is on the signature line for authorizing it, authorizing two hundred people to be killed, including Laura Roslin and Zarek and a whole bunch of people. Um, they bring that up, and it's pretty fucking damning. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> love- just a quick look in, right? I remember. Right, yeah, yeah, and and it's a quick moment of of Romo being like, we need to adjust our strategy. <laughs> like, oh fuck, we got to address this. We got to pivot. Um, and dude, also real quick before we dive too far into that, one of the things I love about Romo Lampkin as a character on this show, and I think he's just ah, so excellent, is how he is not emotionally attached to any type of strategy or any method. He's not like, oh, I will die yes, on this hill. Yes. This is the this is the right way, and we're going to do it. He is always he wants to win. flexible. Yeah, that's it. He, he is the most, win. he is the most, like, remorseless, amoral utilitarian when it comes to, I will do the thing that works, period. Like, I don't care. I don't care how we get there. I'm going to do the thing that works, that gets this shit done the way we want it. Um, and he he will change his strategy. He will pivot. He'll, he'll alter it on a dime if it needs to be altered. And he just has that, like, bloodhound instinct for, nope, this isn't working. Change it. Like, we gotta, yeah. we gotta adjust, and I love that about him. I think it's so. He has some of the sharpest. Would you call it character. amoral? Um, kind of in a way, yeah. Because be, I could totally see him. I would almost a call boss. the entire. I would almost call the entire system, the, the entire trial system, amoral. The trick is, I mean, yeah. is, it, is it ethical? Like you're not. It you can't more. I feel like you can't moralize. You can only go off of information, right? You it's. Moralizing, he'd be guilty according to all of them because that's the way they that's they're all moralizing like he's bad and here's why, and that's you know the, there, there's yeah it's tough it's 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 a it's um I think he is willing to do whatever it takes to win um within the within the capacity he is able to you know would he would he break the law would he do something completely unethical I mean I know he has that kleptomania thing but I don't know I'm not sure. Oh yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think he. I don't think he'd go quite that far, but I think he is very much. He is not attached to. I don't know how how exactly. How about, say I got it, an like, idea. I, I know how to say it. He is not. He ha, he he is not driven. He's not egotistical about about the strategy because he's yes. willing to go. We'll do it. Well, my this isn't working. Do you have a better way? No. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. I agree. Like no ego attached to it at all. Correct. Like he's very much just like, nope, the thing that works. This isn't working, so let's find a thing that works. Yeah, that's why he wins, um, by the way. 
Yeah, exactly. He's fucking, <laughs> he gets it done. Instead of, he is, he's not, he's, he's not stuck in a pride thing, right? Like, no, this is, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way what? it's going to be. And he's like, well, what works? What do we, we need this, all the information we need to make this work. And that's why I love the way he corners Lee when, when they're talking to where, and even, I love how, when he starts to corner him, he's like, you know something, you're not telling us. And even Gaius is like, wait, what? When he looks over at Lee and he's like, yeah, he's right. You would, you do know something. Like, yeah, just yeah. looking at him. He's like, you're fucking right. He's hiding something. Uh, and, and Romo pretty much puts it down on him of, you have two uncomfortable options. You can go ahead and get in this trial and get in the thick of it and get in the uncomfortable, combative, you know, thick of this whole nasty ordeal and say the truth. Or you can live the rest of your life knowing that you held back on a piece of the truth that might have been the thing that saved the man who died, <laughs> that you you could have saved him. And he's like, I don't know what kind of, maybe I misjudged your character, but I think I don't think that's the kind of person you, you actually are. I can dig it. I love it. So there's some good stuff out of James Callis. You just reminded me as, as Baltar, and that's, you know, guys probably would have picked up on that little idiosyncrasy had he not been under extreme duress. Right, it's it's funny because we've always known him to be pretty observant a lot of times. But one of the things I think Callus does great in his performance is he plays flustered. Holy shit, I'm stressed very well. Like there's a there's a range of emotion from Gaius in this performance from James Callus that I think is really commendable. The the moments of of just utter disappointment with Felix, like oh Felix, those moments. And there's the oh yeah these, these moments of like oh my god, this is crazy. The moments of covering like hanging his head, you know, face palming himself when- Oh, when, just his terror at the idea of a mistrial, I loved so much. You know, he's like, you know, mistrial? No. He's like, I, do, I can't physically take this again. And right. that's, you, I feel like a lot of people might hear that and go, oh, it's like him being dramatic or this is like Gaius, him, you know, being over the top. But like, no, I, I fully believe him. of like, I can't physically take this. I can't mm. do this for months and months and months again at a time. I'm in a cell right now. I can't keep going. This has got to end. Like I even, I even believe him so fully where he's like, I'll accept being found guilty and being killed. It just needs to end. Like I can't do this anymore. Um, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I believe it from him, man. He's been in this for a long time. Let's talk about two very contrasting scenes with Bill Adama. One where he talks to Ty and he helps Ty to bed in one where Ugh. he deals with Lee. Because boy, Ugh. what an amazing contrast between these yeah, two man. scenes. And great placement in the episode back to back like this. Because on the one hand, I mean, we go from him telling, we just saw Ty's testimony. Yeah. We know the kind of person Ty is. We know the kind of man he is. We know the way he operates, right? We might even be able to say, that there's part of us that might even be able to say that you know, morality aside, if Ty just threw guys out the air out the airlock, it's possible the fleet would be better off. <laughs> it's possible. I don't At least know. As far as unity goes, it's possible. <laughs> like, yeah. right, right? It's possible. Um, yeah. We also know about his dogged loyalty to Adama. I mean, it is so so high. Only a couple times has he ever questioned him, and with good reason too. I mean, very, very good reason. But he with would good do reason anything, and with not being too aggressive about it, just stating those facts of like, right. I don't, I don't see this working out. And, and you know, it's funny him questioning Adama. There's a lot to connect here throughout the series. Him questioning Adama on, say, all the resources and the vulnerability of looking for Starbuck. Right. Him questioning that decision is exactly why Bill Adama is the way he is. Right. This 
I'll throw it away. Like I'll do anything for like him trying to protect Ty is him trying to protect Kara is him trying to protect Lee when he doesn't hate Lee, you know, it's (laughs) that same thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's not the Picard approach as much. It's not the, it's much more personal. Right. And, and we see it here and he says to Ty, you never embarrass me. I mean, that is a powerful thing to say to somebody Powerful. that is, that has a history of conduct that you would be probably calling becoming. You know, yeah, it's true. And uh, he never, he never sells tie up the river. He never, he never ever does that. These guys are so loyal to each other. And then we go to him telling Lee, "You have no integrity," oh. which and is he's it, mad it, because they yeah. went after Ty. It makes him mad that his yep. son went after his friend. And it clouds. It really does cloud his judgment because all he saw, all you know, we got to see more as the audience, but. All that uh, Bill saw was them kind of put their heads together and talk, you know, as any defense, you know, lawyer and his client would do uh, at their table. And he assumed, oh, that must have been Lee telling Roma Lampkin about how Ellen died. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when you stop to think about it, you're like, dude, it's insane for you to think. Like, you just learned how she died. Why would Lee have known? Why would you think he would have told Lee before you? Like, that never would have happened. But he's clouded here. He, he's emotional. He, he just got upset seeing his friend essentially roasted on the stand, already drunk and already in a, in a horrible state. And he just comes back to this thought of, well, it must have been Lee that told him. It must have been Lee to expose that vulnerability in Ty and allow a lawyer to stick a shiv in his ribs. What's tough about this scene, too, is that you could almost say, okay, look, he's part of this defense team. They've been doing a lot of, you know, they're, they're working hard. They're doing their thing. Maybe they got some information somewhere. Maybe. And, that's, Maybe. and they sat on it. But what, I, but, what, but what is really hard to swallow is him thinking Lee is not being honest with him. Yeah, man. That, that that's what, when I was talking about really how I struggled brutal. with Bill in this episode, I was like, damn, man. Like, you are, you are you're really calling him a liar. reaching. Yeah, you're calling him a full-blown liar and a coward. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, with no integrity. Like, yeah. Like, like, that's <laughs> kind of, there are no swear words within that, but that is maybe the most insulting thing you could ever say to another human being, period. Especially that you are a lying military. coward with absolutely no integrity. I'm like, I think I would fucking fight you, physically fucking fight you over that. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, that's so insulting. And to your own son. So, Matt, <sighs> I'm going to mean to tell you. <laughs> but no, it's, yeah, it's absolutely, dude. It's, it's, it's the fact that he doesn't believe him. That's tough. You know, there's... It's brutal. There's never been a time where we've ever seen Lee be dishonest with Adama. Never. He's always never. been honest with him. And, uh, and, that's, and this to is hard. To a fault. Yeah, <laughs> even but... When, like, even when he probably should have, you know, to cover up whatever he was trying to accomplish, he probably should have lied to his dad. He didn't. He's fucking honest with him. Yeah, and, and just this stuff. He's, Bill's hurt because of Ty. Like, that hurt him to see his exactly. friend up there getting exposed and, and knowing that that's not Ty's strength. That's not where he flourishes at all. That's a no. tough spot for him. And um, yeah, it does not go well. And he takes a, he takes a walk. And I mean, boy. shit. I mean, he hands over his insignia and that's mm-hmm. it. He, he retires from the military, from the colonial military. Kind of, except that he's in a Viper later. I don't know. We'll talk yeah, about that. We'll have to which, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, hey, if you're still retired, um, you just stole a military <laughs> aircraft. I, I think you're in fucking trouble now, Lee. Holy shit. You're going to the brig, kid. <laughs> but uh, flash over to the pinstripe, and man, does he put the fucking screws to Rosalind. She begs, begs oh, him, don't do this. 
Dude, and then she gets I, petty with the, oh, Captain Apollo, that one's had a nice ring to it. She's trying to get her fucking digs in. She, you know, you know, she does, but I, I get where she's coming from here. Because this is honest, one of the biggest shocks, not of this Do you episode, apologize more for Rosalind than I do for guys, you think? I don't think so. No. I don't I, think so. I think I apologize for guys more than I think your mouth is pretty her. stretched out from that guy's cock, man. I don't know. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty, good. pretty yeah. good. I mean, me too. And uh, you know what? Your asshole stretched out pretty good from Rosalind's fucking high heel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> from that delicious high heel. Harder, mommy. <laughs> you like uh, getting pegged by the president, boy? You like being pegged? Um, but no, the, the thing is, not in this episode, but I would say for me, one of the most interesting uh, turnarounds, it kind of twists of the entire series so far, is the fact that Lee and Rosalind are now very much at opposite ends and kind of enemies. And mm-hmm. they were always the two united against Bill. <laughs> they fucking committed mutiny against Bill. Yeah. They were arm in arm. And now here they are with Lee pretty much with his fucking boot on her neck. And she's like, oh my God, please don't make me say this in front of everyone. Which, hey, by the way, President Roslyn, you should fucking know better than being a testifying witness at a trial. All the shit's going to come out. All your skeletons are going to have to fall out of the closet if you're going to testify at a fucking life or death trial. Like, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, And I'm like, I don't know what you were thinking was going to happen. That's all going to come out. But... I really do love that moment of that turnaround of her being like, please, <laughs> please don't do this. Like, I'm going to have to tell everybody. Um, but I can't feel him. my legs, Holmes. Please. <laughs> don't, leave like, don't leave me like this, Holmes. Please, <laughs> but, please. <laughs> but dude, like, it's, it's such a good moment of Lee is essentially the only person who in this environment knew about the Kamala extract and would bring it up in this moment of that maybe this witness's testimony Powerful. and her her percept you know her perception of this whole event and of Gaius Baltar and all of the events that are they're leading to this trial could be compromised you know she she's taking a hallucinogenic fucking drug she's basically taking space dmt like we, we who knows how her view of things has been compromised but i also i got to say man i do love rosin being like no hey ask me why ask me why finish what you started you're going to fucking you're going to roast me up here you're going to we're going to get the whole story um to be honest that's pretty baller <laughs> like i'm actually with lee on this but at the same time i'm like eh, it's, it's pretty baller to hold his feet to the fire too like no 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 finish what you started you're you're going to roast me in front of everybody let's get to the whole story and she brings it all out in front of everyone that yeah i'm taking kamala extract again right now because my cancer has returned and i'm probably going to fucking die soon yeah that's um Whoa. So you, I am, I am, uh, uh, Taylor Galloway is to, is to, is to guys as I am to Rosalind, which I just go, <laughs> oh, that's politics. That's her trying to win the fucking turn back by people feeling sorry for her and then getting ahead of it politically. Cause people are going to want to know, right? I, you know what? It's that's funny. just me I, being kind of negative, but I think, I think that might be also part of the truth. You, well, what's interesting about that is I agree with your take, but I, it's I still see it awesome. more positively. Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't like, mean I, it's I, bad. Right. I like, I agree I with exactly. I'm like, yeah, I agree. That's actually pretty much exactly what she's doing. But I, I see her rationale for it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Fairly still justified. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, she's up here to be a witness to, to Baltar's actions, but at the same time, now her own private shit that she wasn't ready to, you know, put a press release out about. She's like, okay, well, fine. Now it's going to come out like this. You're going to fucking, I'm going to make you ask me the question then. And in the simplest like, sense, yeah, she's also re-exerting control over the situation. Yeah. You don't want to appear yeah. weak up there being controlled and batted around. So she's, so by, by presenting that, it also is a kind of a big dick type of, 
I'm in control of this information. I'm offering it now. You know, it's true. She's getting it's out true. in front of it, which is smart. Um, D leaving. Come on, D. This is the only time I've been like, D, you're wrong on this one. I know. I mean, dude. you should leave yeah. him for sure. Don't get me wrong. Now listen, real quick. <laughs> See, yeah. D, Honestly. hey, D, give me a call. <laughs> call me up. You should definitely leave him. Definitely dude. call me. But <laughs> this is the straw that broke the camel's back, not fucking Starbucks. See, that's what, you know what pissed me off about this? Is because I'm right there with you of like, Hey, you should have done this like six months ago. <laughs> you should have fucking left his ass. I'm not against you leaving Lee, but over this, you're wrong on this one, D. You're wrong. Leave him on this shit you're so right about, which is most of things. <laughs> you're right about most shit. Yep. He's been a dickhead about a lot. You have so many good reasons to leave his stupid ass. But Absolutely. this one, God, you're wrong. Tori and Tori walked around with that freshly, I just fucked Anders hair. Oh man, she had that wild. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just banged. Even, it. I know comb, run a comb through your hair. Yeah, pig even fucking Rosalind calls around. She's like, "You've been getting <laughs> fucked in the hallway, hair, huh?" <laughs> you've been you've been climbing up into a goddamn bunk with one of them nasty ass boys. <laughs> the pilot <laughs> fucking pawing at you, huh? Tell uh. me, tell me, Tori, did you get in the back of the pickup truck with the boys on those hot Virginia nights? <laughs> tell me, Clarice. <laughs> with your cheap shoes. With your cheap shoes and your bad hair. Mm? <laughs> and your big Getting nose. Stretched kinda, out by pilots. Yeah, with your big nose, that's kind of hot. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> your big schnoz that I'm kind of into. I'm kind of into it. I like the way you look. You're a little bit different than what I'm used to seeing around these parts. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. But, um... And then, of course, Ty put his ear on the door. Like, the, the, all that shit comes uh, back. But, the, you know, it's like, uh, this, this spins us right into the second half of this story, or in this case, the second episode. And um, it goes right into more which, trial stuff. Yeah. And you know what? One thing I want to say real quick, it, it really does not matter for either of these episodes, but I'll, I just want to note. Doesn't matter, though, does it? Don't matter. But you know what I'm happy about? I'm so glad that Hilo's just on the outside of all of this. He's just the He's fucking chilling XO in and the like, <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He's like, you know what? Life's good for once. You know, I know things suck right now for like all the rest of you, but shit's pretty tight with me in the theater right now. I'm XO. Shit's good. I'm like, hell yeah, Hilo. Fucking hang it over all of we're them. We're doing well. We have sex 3.5 times a week. Uh, I get my vegetables, and I get a lot of delicious meatloaf from the mess. We got another now half that... Cylon, half human baby mm-hmm. on the way. Everything's yeah. looking up. I Everything's not... coming up Hilo. Hey, hey, Lee, thanks for becoming public enemy number one and taking my place for a change. That's and excellent. hey, Ty, thanks for ruining career, you drunk fuck. I'm XO now. <laughs> uh, good for Hilo. I'm yeah. so happy for Hilo, man. It's yeah. about damn time. It's awesome. Oh, he's so great. So good. Uh, but off, off we go to episode off, two, Crossroads yeah. Part Two, baby. Um, a, a lot of a lot of the beginning. There's a lot of this doesn't matter though, does it? Is this Down episode? Later. Um, which is just a lot of the. They do a lot of. We, we see, you know, for the first twenty minutes or fifteen minutes of the episode, we see a lot of stuff with the the sounds and it dragging in Anders and Tori and and and, uh, and Ty and Tyrrell. And we see um, the treatment that Rosalind gets. And that's when we see the shared dream moment, which is really cool. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, it, it's it's somewhere in the first 10, 15 minutes of, of this episode where I'm like, okay, this really might be the sign that some people are Cylons. That, you know, that 
that Tyrrell, that Ty, which I was still, that was the one I was the most resistant on, man. I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> no fucking way is Ty a Cylon. I had a lot to, I have a lot to say about that, and I had a lot to say when I learned about it for the first time. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But I was starting to get concerned. This is where I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, holy shit. Are they really? <laughs> are we really going there? This is what's happening? Yeah. And, of course, um, we go to Gata. Dude, I got to say, man. Fuck you. Dude, yeah. To you be honest, and it, snake. It really sucks because I have always liked Gator. Me too. I have always been a, a fan of Gator. And I'm like, he's like a stand up guy who's just a competent, smart, intelligent officer getting shit done, correcting people who are way more emotional than him, and keeping a very level head. I've always liked Gata. And you know I got to say, man. Huh? You know what, though? Uh, Tells the company line, though, doesn't he? A little bit. He does. Think bit. about in every situation he's ever been in. He's stuck <laughs> by Gaius. He's stuck by, you know, and he's just telling the line here. He doesn't want to upset the order. He's being the fucking, he's being that career officer, sneaky fuck. But him putting his balls on the line in the resistance, flipping over the dog bowl, I'm like, I always loved him for that. I was always so proud yeah, of him. Like, true. fucking good for you, Gata. And dude, from this point on, my opinion of Gata is permanently damaged. I'm like, wow, man, you are a real fucking snake in the grass to lie like that. Like, it is one thing to be very convinced. I mean, yeah, the, the only bone that I'll throw to Gata is that, yeah, you are the only person, the really, really, the only other person on New Caprica who was in the same room uh, as Gaius and the Cylons a lot of the time. Not all the time, especially the time he fucking lies about being there. But he was there, and he did see a lot of it. And he does hate him. He did try to stab him. Right. Um, But And it's like, I get him being embittered. I get him being angry at at Gaius in the situation. I'm like, I don't blame you for that. But for you to full-blown fabricate a story that you were there when you you saw him sign this thing, when you fucking weren't, I'm like, that is some low shit. Like, I really, I'm like, wow, I really think a lot less of you now, Gata. Like that's shitty, man. So bad. Awesome. I love when uh, I love when uh, when when guys goes off. Have a listen. Yeah, oh. oh, Felix. Oh, Felix. Oh, Felix. What are you doing? Throw the paper. Council, you control your clients. Look, it's it's no secret. Quiet. The whole fleet knows this man tried to stab Please. me through the neck, and you missed. Butter <laughs> fingers. <laughs> Dude, the only time I laughed Butter out loud fingers. in either of these two episodes. <laughs> Butter fingers. <laughs> Fucking gets it. <laughs> That's so good. Oh shit! But dude, like I, the pain in Gaius's voice there, I think is so real. Not in the fact that just always yeah, somebody yeah, lying, absolutely. lying about what happened to him. Is that I think Gaius always genuinely liked Gaeta. I think he really did. He's one of the few other like colonial officers that Gaeta. I mean that uh, uh, Gaius got along with at all and and respected. And for him to be like, oh, fu-, like for one, you already tried to kill me. So like <laughs> we're at a pretty bad place uh, in our relationship as it goes. Uh, but the fact that now he would be on the stand at his trial for his life, completely lying in order to get Gaius killed. Like, wow, there's really just no coming back from what's, that. What's, what's you, awesome about that is Lampkin smelling it a mile away and oh, just yeah. dismissing him. Just, oh, oh, yeah, that's good. Ah, that's real good there. Right, and dismissing Yummy. him, though. That's my. That's what I'm trying to say. He, there's yeah. no... Way he d- doesn't ask him a single question because he knows it's not going to no help. No questions. Him. 
Yeah. No, I mean, even, and I love when Gaius is like, what? No question. And he's like, there, it's just your word against his. That, yeah, that'll he's just, just gonna only lie. make us look worse. Why give him more opportunity to say stuff? Right. Get rid it, of him. We have nothing to gain yep. by doing this. Yep. And the, I, But the dramatic pause in front of him is also speaking volumes like you're a fucking liar. I love it. He pauses in front of him. They lock eyes. And then he just says, no questions. Because mm-hmm. he knows he's going to stick with his fucking lie. Yep. And this is where the mistrial stuff comes up. Oh, and this, dude, again, this is where I think James Callis is probably the best moment in, the, in these two episodes where him being like, no, I cannot, I cannot endure another trial. Um, because that, that's, I, I feel like it's so cool, uh, an interesting writing moment of this show to point that out. Like, I, I feel like we as, as people in the year 2019 are very inured to law shows and there's a million law and orders Jesus. and CSIs and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's and a lawyer. Always, Huh? Everybody's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a lawyer. And everybody, you know what they do? They get caught up in the drama of it. And the, oh, we're revealing the truth and cutting through lies and blah, blah, and all this drama. And you're forgetting that. No, there is somebody involved in this. In every single case, whose utter life is on the line. That that we're not just like, ooh, I'm going to call this guy out on his lie. We're going to figure it out. And it's like a cool Sherlock Holmes style. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> No, somebody's life's on the line. Like, and in this mo- in this case, Gaius's life is very much up in the air, and he's like, "I can't do this. Like, I cannot suffer through this." Like, I like how it reminds us of the human stakes at the bottom of this. Of like, this is a, we're talking about a man's life. Like, so like, let's not let's not get too caught up in procedure and rules and semantics and and li- little funny loopholes we can find to make things easier or faster. He's like, no. I can't endure this for months and months and months longer. It will kill me. Let me it's so me, good, man. Let I, me take the uh, flower out of the M16 you just put in there and fucking mow you down. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what the what man, happened? Don't worry about the man's life is on the line, dudes. I'm just teasing you. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you're you're know, right. You like can't. the moral pussy I am, I guess. Mm. <laughs> If you call yourself, watch out, ladies and gentlemen. He called himself a moral, a moral person. He must be a fucking serial killer. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Moral Pussy Anderson. No, Moral Matt. Moral Matt. It's going to stick. Moral Oral. It's a good show. Everybody should watch it. I know. I've been told it's pretty good. It's but, actually uh, pretty fucking funny. Yeah, it's funny. It, it becomes, it, and that's, yeah, that's the whole point of the defense is to try to, well, I guess it depends on the case, but to create reasonable doubt, of course, in right. any way possible but Dude, um actually honestly that's something we should talk about because that i i feel like even you know I, I forget that all the time of like what what is the nature of the the argument of a trial especially like a trial where somebody's life is on the line for the defense like you said it, it's not about proving that a person did not do something it's about opening up the possibility of doubt that mm-hmm. are, can you be sure they did that something? Can you be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they committed these crimes? And if you can't not, not about like, Oh, you're still suspicious. You're 90% sure you have to be 100% sure. That seems so hard too, man, because people love to judge people. Oh, I know. They that's, love I mean, it. That's, I mean, there's shows built around the whole fucking concept. Oh it, yeah. It, 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 we, we love to judge people because it makes us feel so morally superior in our fucking smug, stupid monkey faces. You know what I mean? Right. And I mean, with all, I mean, the, the, the myriad, we're speaking outside of the show now, but with the myriad problems with our justice system, one of the things I would still defend forever is the idea of being 
presumed innocent until proven guilty. Uh, and the fact that- Dude, a- you, you know what? No. You're an evil person. <laughs> canceled. Matthew's been canceled. Absolutely Twitter, stop not. it. Twi- How did Twitter get on the show? How did no. Twitter become a sentient voice and get on our podcast? What the fuck are you doing here, Twitter? No, that's, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Look in the mirror. Look at your face. Oh, Think oh about no. what you see. Tell me about your parents and then I tell me you're innocent. My beard. Tell me you're innocent then, pal. You're guilty by birth. <laughs> Original birth. sin is you. You're the state of your birth, Matthew. Presumed innocent. How fucking dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. I mean, like, and even the most, the most just system, I can't remember, you know, who the originator of this quote or whatever, but like the whole idea of, it is better to let 10 guilty men go free than to condemn one innocent person. And yeah, it's a thousand, yeah, I, mean, I think, but I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, like that. I mean, and that's that's 100% true. I don't care what anybody says. I'm like, I would rather let all these monsters go free than to put an innocent person to death. Like, that's the worst thing. There is no taking that back. Um, and that's always, you know, that's what we see here. The defense has just got to shed doubt. That's all they got to do, uh, as they should. Um, the quote is uh, apparently from Ben Franklin, but he was referencing possibly Voltaire, uh, which is the maxim that is that tis much more prudence to acquit two persons, thou actually guilty, than to pass sentence of condemnation on one that is virtuous and innocent. To which, and a penny a day keeps the doctors away from your butthole. Hmm. Well, then also, I'll be the keeping my pennies, quote. I guess. <laughs> Gather them. <laughs> um. But this is where Lee uh, blows it up. He blows it up. Dude, I cannot love Lee more (laughs) or Jamie Bamber in his portrayal of Lee than in this scene. This is, this is it, man. This is everything. It it all boils down to this. I mean, kind of, you know, what what I love about it, what I love about the setup of this whole thing is that he kind of reflects what Romo did in episode one of he speaks what everybody else is already thinking. He he kind of animates the, the voice of the people and being like, well, yeah, he should die for this. Is he? he committed an act of mutiny. He did all these things. He, he did all this. And he's like, so we should just kill him, right? He should, he should have to die, even though we gave all these other people a pass. Let's have what a listen. It, like, oh, it's fantastic. He says it better than you, and I love you. Absolutely, he does. <laughs> did the defendant make mistakes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure, he did. Serious mistakes, but did he actually commit any crimes? Did he commit treason? No. In this scene, I love how guys just sitting there like, oh, God. Oh, fuck. I mean, it was an impossible situation. When the Cylons arrived, what could he Dude. possibly do? What, what could anyone have done? Mm. I mean, ask yourself, what would you have done? Mm-hmm. What would you have done? Mm-hmm. Dude, pause it. Pause it there. Pause Go. it there for a second. How many times We've have you and I said that? So many times. So many fucking times. And that's what always bothered me. I would have let him the- shoot me in the head, bro. You don't even know how tough I am. Dude, I'm so fucking bothered. Dude. I would be like, shoot me, dog. Shoot me. Shoot me. No, you fucking wouldn't have, you pussy. No, I would have lifted my shirt have. up and go, right here, right now. Go ahead, shoot me in the chest, son. <laughs> <laughs> With chest out, kill me, son. Like, shoot no, me in the chest. Have- I dare you, motherfucker. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You pussy ass bitch. I'm you wouldn't tough. have. I'm getting tough on the street here. He's like, you know, you know what would have actually happened? You would have been, no, please. I literally fucking myself. Not falling out of your nose. Dude, you I slapped liar. myself right on the nipple and it wicked hurt. <laughs> <laughs> my, my little fucking cute rosebud nipples all red. You 
<laughs> Dingus. <laughs> Good thing I put the pencil down because I did almost stab myself too. I got a little excited about it. You go ahead, just go you and rub you some ice cubes on there. Yeah, I'm like Daniel Day Lewis, you know, and I just move, man. When I get less and I hear the bell, I go. I'm like, ah, I'm fucking so into character's crazy. I haven't won any awards yet. Go ahead. Sorry. But no, man, like that's that's the thing we've hammered home on for, for weeks now. The the idea of like people want to condemn Gaius for what he did, but what the fuck could anyone have done in the same situation there's nothing to do you have been it's the same as being like do you want to shoot the fucking prime minister of france for not i don't know flipping off hitler when he invaded and being like fuck you bitch like you just been executed they would just kill you like they've just taken over your entire country their, their army is occupying everything you have you don't have a choice like at a certain point resistance is stupid like you got to find a subtler or a different way to resist other than trying to be some, I'm going to be this big, brave, noble guy who says no to you. I resist. Like, they're just going to kill you. Like, that's it. That's all that's going to happen. Um, and we saw that. Like, we as the audience got to see the truth of what that actually looked like, uh, you know, in the Colonial One offices of being held there and have a fucking gun to your head while a dude screams at you to sign the paper. There's no resisting that uh, unless you just have a death wish. Like, there's no point. Um, and that's the thing that's always bothered me. I'm like, what did you guys think was happening in there? <laughs> did you think he was just having cocktail parties with the fucking Cylons? Like, no, he was being occupied the same way everyone else was being occupied. Yeah, there. I like the flashback too of him saying, "You'll have to clear your conscience some other way," because that's yeah, what it was at the end of the solve day. Solve your conscience, right? And I always thought about that because at the end of the day, and this is something. You know what else we said? If Gaius was dead. If they shot Gaius in the head and he refused, and he was like, do it, do it, motherfucker. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Blow his brains out. Like yeah. fucking Takagi in Die Hard. Okay, do it the hard way. <laughs> he fucking shoots him in the head. <laughs> right? He's True. like, fine, let's fucking kill you anyway. John McClane's out there like, holy shit. <laughs> right. Um, they would have just killed him anyway. Yeah, they just killed him. And then hey, there guess would what? be the, all of them dead plus him. They would have just gone down to the next chain of, you know, whatever succession they have for government, pulled in that guy and be like, so now, hey, before you wipe up the brain matter of your fucking predecessor, you want to sign this? Like, that's bro, it. Like, they would have just coerced the next know, person bro. into signing it. Bro, you don't even know how tough I am, bro. <laughs> no, no idea. Dude, Taylor, chill. Taylor, chill. Taylor. <laughs> You're mean. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I love him. I don't think he said that, but if anybody thinks that, that's noble. And I'm not saying people aren't brave enough to do that. I'm just not sure what it accomplishes in that situation. Right. What's the utility? Like, mm -hmm. right. that's one of those moments of like, eh, it's bravery that accomplishes nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> cool. You got yourself killed. Great. Ah, wow. What a difference you made. Yeah. What are you going to do, man? It yeah. makes such a difference with your corpse on top of the pile of corpses. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... Let's continue. Oh, yeah. If he had refused to surrender, the Cylons would have probably nuked the planet right then and there. Amen. So did he appear to cooperate with the Cylons? Sure. Uh-huh. So did hundreds of others. What's the difference between him and them? The president issued a blanket pardon. They were all forgiven. No <laughs> questions asked. throwing daggers. <laughs> Colonel Ty. Colonel Ty used suicide bombers, killed dozens of people, forgiven. You guys literally push people out of airlocks. Agathon and Chief Tyrrell, they murdered an officer on the Pegasus, forgiven. 
Colonel Ty's ISIS. The Admiral. The Admiral instituted a military coup d'etat against the president. <laughs> I love him. Forgiven. But he's ISIS. He's not ISIS, dude. <laughs> I will fucking kill you if I see you again, if you say that again. <laughs> and me? ISIS. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but me? I'm begin. ISIS. I shot down a civilian passenger ship. Nice. The Olympic carrier. Over a thousand people on board. Forgiven. Lucky for I guys. gave my weapon to a Seriously. superior officer, committed an act of mutiny. Forgiven. And then on the very the day when boy. Baltar surrendered to those Cylons, I, as commander of Pegasus, jumped away. I left everybody on that planet alone, undefended for months. This shit's powerful. Yeah. I even tried to persuade the Admiral never to return. <laughs> to abandon you all there for good. I love how he's selling it to everybody. If I had my way, awesome. nobody would have made it off that planet. Mm-mm. I'm the coward. I'm the traitor. I'm forgiven. Well, kind of. I still don't like I'd you. I'd say we're very forgiving of mistakes. <laughs> Not for Gaius Baltar. <laughs> the way Gaius looks you, at him. <laughs> you have to die. You have to die because, well... Because we don't like you very much. Because you're arrogant. He's an outsider, too. Because you're weak. Because you're a coward. <laughs> and we, the mob, we want to throw you out the airlock because you didn't stand up to the Cylons and get yourself killed in the process. That's justice now. Damn, son. You should have been killed back on New Caprica. But since you had the temerity to live, we're going to execute you now. That's justice. Dude, wait a minute. Wait, that sounds oh, bad. Wait a minute. You say it. Order. Are we losing this fucking try? I thought we were going to rip his fucking head off, mate. <laughs> that sounds bad. I thought we were going to draw and corner him. Now we sound like the bad guy. <laughs> Dude, that uh, quote right there. Let him. Here we go. Might as well finish anger. it. Exactly. Bitterness. Vengeance. Mm-hmm. But most of all, it is built on shame. Holy. <laughs> it's about the shame of what we did to ourselves back on that planet mm-hmm. and it's about the guilt of those of us who ran away damn dog who ran away yeah yeah you both did <laughs> we were trying to dump all that guilt and all that shame onto one man and then flush him out the airlock and hope that that just gets rid of it all mm-hmm. so that we can live with ourselves that won't work. That won't work. Nope. That's not justice. Not to me. My guy. That's good enough. Fucking A, man. That, I mean, hallelujah to fucking Lee on the stand right there. I was like, thank God somebody finally said it all. Laid it all out. That, that, that's what it is. Like, you guys are taking essentially societal shame and guilt and anger and bitterness, all these swirling emotions that have no real conclusion or outlet, and you're just going, that guy, put it on that fucking guy. Fucking kill him. And I'm like, that's not justice. That's not anything. You're just mad. (laughs) That's what it is. You're just mad. You just want to kill someone, which is not just at Mm. all. I'm so glad he said it the way he did, man. He nails it. It's perfect. Indeed. Well, he is, of course, found not guilty, and we learn that uh, big man Adama himself voted not guilty, which Rosalind does not love. Dude, I feel like, you know, when we were talking about the damage between Lee and Bill, He didn't have to tell her either, and he just did. Again, he, he fucking, he pulled a Rosalind. <laughs> 
Right? She but didn't that, have to say the cancer thing, although it would have come out. But he... Oh, yeah. Because what are you going to say? Oh, I just like hallucinating. I, I just love tripping, baby. <laughs> I'm not sure the colonial fleet would be as open-minded to that as we would like to believe. But uh, <laughs> hopefully... They just got to keep their fingers crossed that Joe Rogan's one of the judges, you know? <laughs> And the white knight is walking backwards. They're fucking <laughs> just, just <laughs> dropping into her eye. Like, ah. <laughs> oh, shit. So silly. And, um, and uh, yeah. And then we get this, the Cylon stuff starts heating up. This, the, the dreams heat up. The visions of the five people on the towers. Um, also, dude, I don't want to pass too far. The exit of Romo Lampkin in this whole thing is so great. Him placing his kit. It's so fucking subtle, but he just sticks his cane off to the side and fucking puts his glasses back yeah. on. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, you lying little shit. Like, he knows, though. He just manipulates public perception so well because he knows exactly what all those dumb animals fucking think. He's aware of the game he's playing, isn't he? He's so aware. And he never has a pretension of being an honest man. He doesn't, he knows it. He's like, well, I knew you were an honest man, unlike your grandfather. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all he says to him. Where yeah. He's like, did you know what I was going to say when you put me up on the stand? It's like, no, I just knew you were honest. That's it. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm super fucking not honest. <laughs> so yep. I know when somebody is. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Dude, what a great character. And like, I, I will, I'll say this. I will not be disappointed if we never see him again, but I do hope to see him like one more time. Like it, before the series ends, I'm like, just one more time, one more episode with Romo in there. I'm like, this is, he's just so fucking good, dude. Yeah. He's excellent. He's excellent character. The fleet jumps away to the Ionian Nebula. Gaius is whisked away to his new life and we get some visions. Talk to me about some visions. Oh, are you talking about the visions of the <laughs> the newly revealed Cylons? Or are you talking oh, about yeah, the, the fi- First of all, you see five cloaks, right? Indeed. Five white cloaks. Because, I mean, basically, we've been we've already had this moment where Athena and President Roslin and Six have all shared a dream where Rosalind and Athena are running down the stairs to try and catch up with Hera in this, you know, big grand theater that we have seen before in some of Six and Gaius's visions. Uh, but before they can catch up with her, Six is actually the one who catches her and picks her up and walks away with her with Gaius. And then we have a singular dream that only Six is having where it's just her and Gaius walking up to this like big, you know, gigantic altar on the stage and they look up and they see five white robed people mm. and we don't see their identities here but in the very next scene we see four people in together four matthew only four Ooh. not five because okay, well, the, the show still has to keep one pinky in my butthole all the time <laughs> <laughs> fucking teasing me god when they come together in that workout area it it is such a shock that it makes me angry <laughs> i'm not i'm like Fuck you for this. How dare you dump it all on me in one Ty's big fucking face go. is priceless. Ugh. Dude, one of the most shocking elements of that scene, too, when all of our characters who, who now understand their silence come in, is that they already individually understand that they themselves are a Cylon before they even get there, before they see anyone else. But when they walk in and see each other, they're like, oh my God, you're a Cylon? <laughs> like that moment of like when, when Ty walks in and they're all like, no fucking way that you're a Cylon. Ah, uh, oh my God, man. Dude, first watch on this. I mean, just jaw on the floor i'm like god it's really true because i mean to be honest I've, we've talked about this i've had my suspicions on tyrell for a while where i'm like 
you know, his whole temple, the eye of the Jupiter. Thing, yeah. That shit had me wondering. It really did. I was like, mm, I don't know about you, man. You might be a secret Cylon. Uh, but never in a million years did I think Ty was going to be a fucking Cylon, man. Uh, never. I, that is that is such a shock to me. For To be honest, uh, Anders and uh, Tori, those two actually make tactical sense to me. Where I'm like, having a resistance fighter implanted among the other resistance fighters that's actually a Cylon, that's pretty smart. Having somebody implanted into the fleet who's the right-hand woman to the president, also pretty smart. But Ty, I'm like, he's been there for fucking 50 years. How far does it, how far back does this go? Like, that's insane. I had no idea, no inclination at all that Ty would have ever been one of them. That, that's, that, that is still one that I can barely fathom. Oh my God, man. Yeah. So this is the part of the story and I'm going to, I am going to give this information as I gave it in the pasts. I'm not telling you it, it leads to anything or changes anything, and I'm not going to spoil or reveal anything as I've been pretty good about this entire podcast. Um, but here was my thoughts on this. So what do we know about the human Cylon relationship? Do you remember the armistice station? Yeah. So here's the th- one of the things I thought to myself, and we maybe even, we've probably discussed this on an episode, but I said, I remember saying, during this scene, watching it live, I remember saying to myself, how the fuck is Ty a Cylon? If the human Cylon war, which created the armistice station, happened 40 years ago, and he's at least 50. Yeah. Right? Back in the human Cylon war, it was never, there was never skin jobs, right? No. The skin jobs was a new phenomenon as of the start of the miniseries. Right. Now, so I remember saying to myself, okay, I could see Boomer, being planted in the fleet 20 some odd years ago after the fucking, but how before, how before, how did that happen? Because if, if, if Boomer is a Cylon, which we know she is, then we know that they've had the technology for at least as much time as she has been in the colonial fleet, which is post Cylon war. Seven years, seven or eight years. Correct. Something like that. That's why when I would watch the show in the past, I would always say, well, we know Bill isn't, we know Ty isn't, they're too old. Right. They've been involved way before. So how is that possible? So now I impart that onto you to think about. And whether or not it is it is answered in a way that you deem sufficient, which could be next week, could be the last episode or never, now you get to wrestle with that until we're done talking about the show. <laughs> mm, sounds like I'm going to be forever wrestling with that. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. I remember saying that on my first and going, wow, that's crazy. That is fucking Ugh. crazy. How does that happen? I was so my taken only, aback by it. My only speculation. I'm not going to answer can, you if you guess right, by the way. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but my only like speculation I have for that, as far as Ty himself, not the others, is that if he, you know, if he, he's a Cylon, which obviously he is now, I have to, you know, take that as the show is presented <laughs> that way, um, that he must be, if not the first, one of the very first human models of Cylons. Like, yeah, I thought the same he, thing too. He's got to be. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, uh, he must have been almost a a beta experimental uh, test model. Like, because he's been around for forty fucking years in the fleet. That's not even his life. That's just in the colonial fleet. It's insane. Um, exactly. Now with Tyrrell, dude. One of my 
it's so painful, but it's such a great moment when he's the one, because everybody else, like Anders especially, is like, oh my God, no fucking way. This can't be real. This has got to be a joke. This is wrong. And Tori's like, this, this isn't right. This isn't right. No, 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 no. This can't yeah. be real. Everybody's wrestling with the reality of it, except for Tyrrell. Tyrrell's the one who's like, no, it's true. We're yeah. Cylons. Yeah. Like, that's what we are. And I love that because for one, it reminds you of the guilt he must feel about Boomer, about the way oh, he for treated sure, her. for sure. Like, the way he attacked her for being a Cylon. Like, you're a Cylon. I can't love you. You're nothing. Like, you're a lie. And him having to realize in this moment, like, holy shit, I'm a fucking Cylon. Yeah. Like, that... <clears throat> Oh, that is that is un, that is an unbearable, fucking brutal, baby. An and unbearable. When Tori and Ty are walking down the hall, you could have just been playing boom, da, ding, bing, bing. That <laughs> fucking walk to CIC. Cylons are among you. Ding, 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 ding. We uh, are Cylons now. We're gonna kill you. <laughs> and, and I just love. I love the way you feel like the Alpha Wolf has you down, and he's got his teeth at your throat. Because you have Ty feet away from Adama and Tori feet away from Rosalind. And you're just like, fucking hell. Yeah. Terrifying. And, and of course, uh, 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 Tyrrell having that moment where he's like, so this is how it works. One day, it's just a switch. It just goes off. And you realize you're one. Like, him, yes, like, yes. for, for yep. Tyrrell, it's especially painful for me to, for, for me to watch. Because I'm like, fuck, you know what this is like. You've watched this happen to someone else. To someone you loved. Who he loved Boomer. And he watched her go through this and treated her like dog shit for it. Right. And now him having to realize, like, I'm the same thing. And she was and, different, too, because she didn't even have... She was a sleeper agent, so she yeah. operated a lot differently. She didn't even remember Dude. shit. She'd be like, whoa, I'm in a fugue state. We haven't talked about that in so long, but that's another fascinating aspect of this. Because, like, when you think about Boomer, it's like, like you just said, like, she was a sleeper. Like, she was switched on and then switched back off and put back into the fleet like switched on for a mission sabotage some shit and then switch back off go back into being who you've always been as a human among the fleet and with Tyrrell at least in this moment maybe things change we don't know going into season four at least I don't know um, but in this moment it's like the switch has been flipped and now you are just fully aware that oh fuck I'm a Cylon that's what I am um, and, and there's such crucial components you know I know Tori is a, is a more recently introduced character as of season three, but still, they're, they're, all three of them are in very crucial positions. Oh, yeah. If you Absolutely. think about it tactically, right? Well, because, yeah, when you think about you, what do you have here? You have an EXO, you have a pilot, you have the right-hand assistant of the president. Maybe and Andrews is less so. of the fucking deck. Yeah. Like, that is, that is high-level sabotage. EXO, deck, and standing next to the president. Andrews yeah. is probably less tactical, uh, at least as far as making an obvious connection. But well, shit. We, we, if you think about like top secret missions among the pilots themselves, like well, this is somebody who has access to that. Like here he is, he's being trained. Makes you think a lot though, because these people are all involved in the fucking resistance. So like, what what does it even mean? Yeah. Oh fuck, I have no idea, man. What like, I don't even, even have a mean? theory. I'm still just like, oh my god, what? I don't know, man. I really, oh man. I feel like people are going to be disappointed because I'm like, I, I don't even have a speculation. I'm like, I have no fucking idea. What I remember is this thinking Cylon to my... long game? Right, absolutely. I just don't know. I mean, and one of my favorite, probably actually, fuck it, my single favorite part of this entire scene is Saul being like, I don't 
care. Right. I'm Saul Ty. Right. Fuck this shit. Right. I'm Saul Ty. I don't care if I'm a Cylon. I'm a fucking officer in the colonial fleet. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my job. And if I die, I'm going to die as Saul Ty. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> that kicks ass. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think that's, that's something that we have not explored on this show yet. Somebody who has been and lived so long as a Cylon. Because most Cylons we've seen, it's like they they are, for one, they're just younger in general. And you got to imagine they've been in their position for a lot less time than Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to start to wonder, well, can experience override programming? Like can, can mm. the experience of being this person for decades and having true friendships and true bonds and loyalty and love between human beings finally hit a breaking point to where you're like, I find out I'm a Cylon and it doesn't matter. I don't care. Like I, I, can, I can override that at a certain point. And, and I start to wonder if, if Ty, uh, Ty will be the first example of that. Mm. I hope, I really hope. Yeah, well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe now they can all put their money where their mouth is, and, uh, uh, and, res- and resist they- like Gaius was supposed to, and die. Huh? Just put yourself out in the airlock if you're a Cylon, guys. Yeah, come on, pussies, do it, pussies. Kill yourself, you pussies. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as Ty dies by giving a thumbs up to a teenager as he sinks into a vat of lava, I'll be satisfied. Mini. <laughs> I was like, come on, more than that. Dun 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 bang. Dun 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 clang. Me, 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 me. Fucking thumbs shit. up. Movie rules. <laughs> me, me, me. Well, dude, dude, we still have another. We got another big fucking mind blowing revelation to get to. Okay, what's that? Uh, fucking silly old Kara Thrace riding up to you in the middle of space, having a good old chuckle at your expense at the fact that, ha I'm actually alive and I know where Earth is. What the what? fuck? Oh yeah. my God, man. Like, I, I couldn't even process this shit on my first watch. I was like, what? I just got done dealing with the fact that Saul Ty is a Cylon and now you're going to tell me Kara's alive. And that she found Earth, and that she's going to lead us all to it. Like, well, too much. Hey, too much. Show I can't can only take so much at a time. Ah, insane, man. And she's but all like, she is. "Isn't that silly?" Like she's so silly. She's like, "Come she's on, so goobers, <laughs> just follow me to Earth, you big old silly." And and fucking uh, Lee's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what the fuck." Oh, it's unbelievable, man. She just rides up next to him as, a, as an unidentified bogey on his on his Dratus, and then boom, there she is, looking right at him. Yeah, it's actually me. Don't worry. I found Earth. I've been there. I'm taking us all there. After Lee ran to the helmet, because, you know, well, the fucking Cylons are coming. That's it. We had a, an action stations, you know, a condition one across the entire ship. Everybody is de- dispersed out to, to uh, meet the threat. And even Lee hops back into a Viper unauthorized because uh, he is not in the military anymore um, and goes out and fucking runs into her. Holy shit, man. I got to ask you, what did you think on first watch of this? I said, there's your fifth Cylon. Dude, I had the same thought. I'm like, <laughs> she must be Cylon. <laughs> she must. She must. I mean, the and timing it, is impeccable. The timing is unbearable. No. Like, fuck, is she also a Cylon? Now, was I right fuck. or was I wrong? We shall never know. We will know. We, very until quickly. we complete season four. <laughs> yeah, we will know probably soon. 
Oh, shit, man. Oh, unbearable. It's, you know, I know you talked a lot about, uh, I know you talked a lot about Ty and, I mean, a lot about Tyrell, but man, poor Ty. Unless, like, I understand, I understand Ty's, like, I'm going to be me. You guys can't stop me from being who I am. But then there's also just the reality of, like, of all people. Of all people. Who hates the Cylons. Nobody hates him more than him. And imagine poor Saltai thinking about how disappointed his hetero life mate Bill Adama would be. Oh man, so disappointed. Like imagine that weighing on his conscience. And now, every uh, fiber be, of his being is, yeah. you know what I mean? To be honest, one of the things about that reveal, about especially Ty being a Cylon, one of my first thoughts about it was, oh shit, he's going to go kill himself. Mm-hmm. Like Ty, Ty would be like, "Oh, thing. I'm a Cylon. I'm gonna blow my fucking brains out." Then that's it. Like I, I genuinely believe that about him as a person. That if he found out he was a Cylon, he would off himself to neutralize that threat. Mm-hmm. Like that's and and I'm genuinely concerned going into season four. I'm like, is is episode one going to be Saul blowing his brains out and resurrecting? Like that might happen. Uh, I, I could of anybody, I could see him doing that. Um, and there's also another part of me that wonders. Is anybody gonna come clean about it? I mean, because in a sense, hey, times are looking pretty progressive for Cylons among the fleet compared to how they used to be. You got a Cylon working in the fleet. She's there doing shit, putting stuff in ships and signing forms. You got a Cylon aboard. Uh, There's a part of me that goes, I wonder if Tyrrell just straight up went to Adama and like pulled him aside and was like, hey, I need to have a meeting with you. Um... I'm a Cylon. I just figured out that I'm a Cylon. And I'm telling you this. I'm going to be honest with you about this, obviously, because I don't want to be a threat. How should we proceed? What do you want to do? Like, there's a part of me that hopes that will happen, even though I fucking know it won't. I know it won't happen. But I'm like, fuck, though. Because, ah, ah, ah. Just the fact that Sharon is among them and, and accepted at this point, I'm like, it's not all lost. It's That's not right. all hope is lost. That's right. Sharon Sharon is the lighthouse in a wayward on a wayward and dangerous coastline, right? Truly. Like, oof, boy, I hope this means good things for these four people. Right. You know, and like, honestly, oh the way you know, before we we sign out of here, like the way that they are revealed to be silence and the way they come together with it being this like weird chaotic music that's like kind of driving them all crazy and they eventually end up wandering to this place it feels so chaotic and disorganized that part of me wonders if it's a malfunction that if it's like not supposed to be happening this way mm, uh because like it's it. so it's so odd it's not like because i mean when we got those flashbacks of, of sharon being a sleeper cell that it was very clean it was like she was turned on and turned off uh, when they needed her, she you know she was flipped. The switch was flipped. She went and did you know whatever she was supposed to do, blow up the water tanks, and then that switch was flipped back off. And then she was just left to figure out what the hell was I just doing. Right. Um, whereas with this weird moment of like it's it's as if somebody flipped the switch and just left it on, and they're all like, "Holy shit, we're silence," <laughs> and and they just left it that way. And I'm like, "Is that how that's supposed to happen? That kind of seems like not in the interest of the Cylon you know command." Um, so it makes me wonder, I'm like, shit, there, this might be one of those times where you should just be honest and be like, yeah, I'm a fucking Cylon, uh, but I'm on your side. So what should we do about this? Mm. How should we take advantage of this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Oof. Tough spot. Uh, Got a couple so of listener comments I'd love to get to before we sign off, Matthew. Let's do it. Uh, so number one, uh, there's, 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 first of all, a, a question was presented to us, but I think the answer is pretty clear. Daniel Mertz wants to know how we would have 
voted in Baltar's trial, I, of course, would have voted not guilty because of a sufficient lack of compelling evidence. Same. And, uh, yeah, sorry. Does yeah. that make me a bad person? I don't know. But take it up with my boy, Adama. He voted the same. He did. And then um, I, uh, I have a really, I have, I mean, we, 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 this is a big moment on this podcast, Matthew. A big, big moment on this podcast. And uh, I'm going to read it. Taylor Galloway. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Do it. He says, BSG needs a few good, BSG meets a few good men. Maybe not, but a Paul's riveting testimony during this trial lays it all out there. Um, and he goes on to quote it. And then he says, we want to throw you out the airline, blah, blah, blah. This is the show slapping us in the face for all the reasons Gaius is a great multifaceted character. Hell, wow. I thought Dean might be writing this scene the way they just lay it on out there. Let me repeat that, Matthew. This is the show slapping us in the face for all the reasons Gaius is a great multifaceted character. He continues, all the reasons we hate guys are the same reason his character is so fascinating. I'm sure he's been hacked at this point. He continues, Apollo is spot on. Gaius is on trial. If, if he sends me a message and says he's stuck in Nigeria, then I know this post is bullshit. <laughs> a sham post. Uh, Apollo is spot on. Apollo, I can't believe what I'm fucking reading. Gaius is on trial because everyone hates him, because he's a survivor and did what he needed to survive. Fuck Taylor yeah. Galloway, welcome to the Temple of Gaius. Ah, you welcome, put my on son. your robes, brother, and join us. Clothe yourself, my naked child, in our robes. Cloak Be warm yourself in Gaius's light. Cloak yourself in his love. <laughs> everyone, everyone, we're the fucking, we're Jeremiah and Mandy just holding our dicks out, just ah, <laughs> embrace Gaius. Oh shit. Everyone oh, else fuck. gets a pass but him. Geta even lies in her oath just to spite him. Yeah, it's super fucked up. And I see how guys <laughs> is hold on, this is the this is the closer. Yeah, it's super fucked up. And I see how Gaius is the way he is and why he does what he does and why he's such an amazing character. Did his wife just give birth? And he loves everything <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. Has all of your perception just shifted, Taylor? He's at home looking at his child's fucking little hands and feet and saying that was Gaius one day. <laughs> <laughs> little fingerprints. Oh, God. If you fucking look at a picture of your mother's hand, I'm fucking canceling the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he does say, oh, Gaius is a piece of shit. But two, now, now, you posted it. You pushed, you posted it. Nobody made you do it, Taylor. I mean, what a reformed man. Welcome. Ah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, welcome, Brother Taylor. <laughs> it's beautiful. Fucking beautiful. Taylor went down to the river to pray, praying about <laughs> Gaius night and day. <laughs> Tommy Brinkley pretty much reiterates the same thing. Everyone hates Gaius. Everyone gets a mulligan except Gaius. Baltar's a great character. He's a survivor. Absolutely. And a piece of shit. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's a proud, strong yes, piece of shit, though. Yes. And, a, and a big shout out. And I hope this episode made uh, listener Dan Lee's laugh because uh, he's been going through a rough go. Uh, lost his mom recently, which sucks. And the only reason I'm saying it is because he posted in the group. And uh, I just want to say, we're thinking about you, buddy. It was good to see your face pop back up on Facebook. Hell and yeah, Hopefully man. we can... Get you laughing and get you, you know, kind of pressing on in life because uh, that's what you got to do, right? So it's good to see you, Dan. Sorry you've been out. Sorry you had to go through that. Fucking sucks. 
and uh, hopefully we made you laugh. And uh, I think he's always been in the church, uh, in the church of uh, guys. So he's safe from our ridicule. Mm. <laughs> Hope you made you laugh with our dumb dumb takes on the silly smart show. <laughs> and uh, that being said, I suppose we should get out of here. Uh, we've got so, a man. Get going. Uh, oh, should we talk about uh, our scheduling? Of course. Our yes. So. Uh, you will be listening to this most likely tomorrow. So this should be dropping on 921. So September 21st, Saturday, this will be dropping. Our next episode will be dropping on, let's see, October 11th. So we're going to take a little break, just a couple of weeks. Um, and that's going to be Razor. So we're going to finally do Razor, and we're doing Razor. Uh, you know, the whole feature, so one and two. Um, and we'll be recording that on October 7th and dropping it on October 11th or 12th, somewhere in one of those two days, depending on how uh, my week goes. So it'll probably be on the Friday. So yes, uh, we will be returning on the 11th. So this one is dropping on the 21st, which means nothing on the 27th, nothing on the 4th. Um, but we will be dropping this on the 11th. So yeah, we're only taking two weeks in a row off, basically. There we go. That's it. We're just taking an extra week before we dive into season four, starting off with Razor. So yeah, prepare yourselves by watching Razor. Um, we'll post a little pre-show convo for Razor pretty soon here, sometime early next week. And uh, that's it. I guess we're getting out of here. Matthew, why don't you do us a favor? Tell these good people goodbye. See you on season four. Ooh.